0: Welcome to Cana Connection. Today is March 18th, 2021. We're getting into spring. And what a treat we have today. We've got Rebecca Langawa from Happy Warrior. She's a founder CEO of Happy Warrior. And let me tell our audience, folks, if you want to know what a chief growth officer looks like and talks like and has the experience, Rebecca is it. And we're going to cut across a whole bunch of um, really cool subjects and innovation type of discussion uh, within eSports, within the design for how companies and and really technologies are innovating today. And advancements in, in esports and sports technology itself. Looking at and asking through some questions on, you know, how do we get population demographics more involved within esports? And specifically, we want to get at, you know, looking at women involved in sports and esports, which is really exciting for all of us. I know. So, without further ado. Rebecca, it would be great to get a quick background of how you got involved with eSports and
1: Sure, thanks for um, having me Rob. A little bit about my background. I've been working in um, sports marketing and advertising since I was about 19 years old. Um, and I've really been able to just be open to innovation throughout throughout my career. you know starting in traditional advertising, even though it was sports focused, um, it it was a really interesting time. It was really pre-digital, really at the cusp of digital. There was no social media at that time, except for maybe MySpace. So uh, the monetization of, of that wasn't even uh, on anybody's radar. So being focused on the digital side of the world as my career evolved, being open to kind of trying new things and really leaning in on innovation has kind of led me down the path to eventually be in esports. Uh, esports wasn't necessarily a thing back then in the late 90s. So for for me to just you know be open to exploring new things and learning new things led uh, organically into esports. I was working mm-hmm. with Stadia Ventures, which is an investment firm that focuses on sports technology, and what we saw. Almost four years ago was esports startups applying for investments and applying to our cohort programs. So that's when we really started taking a look at esports and the viability of esports. And I just kind of jumped in, uh, had my nine to five, and then like I like to say mm-hmm. a five to nine, and um, really trying to immerse myself and educate myself on this growing sport.
0: That's awesome. That is so cool. And I, for the audience, I know Rebecca's being being humble. We're talking about like the places in, in sports technology and esports brand manager with Minnesota Timberwolves. And I know now and through your organization, working with all sorts of what is uh, the commercial branding within Nike, Adidas. So all of that mashed up into what your experiences are. I'm really curious to hear how venture capital and your involvement with venture capital right now in esports kind of what are the trend lines and really, you know, how how do those type of organizations really position themselves in the market today?
1: So you know, the the biggest gap in the esports industry has been that it's something that really evolved organically. So it's extremely siloed, hasn't been around so long so there's not a lot of systems and processes that mm. uh, really aggregate data across the board or um really align e- if you think about even just a basic thing like it's so simple to do a google search of any nba player and and see a full history of everything they've ever ever done every team they played on every stat. We don't necessarily have that in eSports underneath like one engine, one umbrella. Um, so that's one example. So what we're starting to see now is a lot of companies that are startups on the tech side, trying to kind of solve that data aggregation within the eSports industry. But also, you know, eSports is a subset of the overall gaming industry, and they do bleed um, in, in, into one another quite a bit. So there's larger implications than just the competitive video Mm gaming side with with eSports. Streaming kind of falls underneath that eSports umbrella uh, as well, uh, which is another very large market. But there's just so many different layers to the innovation that we're seeing in this space. Utilizing AI, the immersion of virtual reality is are are areas in which we're seeing a lot of startups applying for investment and looking for advice. So it's it really kind of runs the, the gambit. There's not one specific thing. We do see a lot of startups that are trying to create new teams and create, you know, more maybe like the land centers, the mm-hmm. uh, facilities. And for me, I'm not necessarily but there, it's really hard to monetize those versus the technology side. I think you know emerging tech is where I really like to focus on specifically.
0: Is no, that's great, and I so the pipeline into that community of you know community of practices within esports. And Rebecca, you you see this continued build out and really, I, it's it's really kind of sexy, right? Like like I can be part of an esports team in a startup situation that might be servicing a particular type of market that's that's pretty attractive so are you seeing in in that development academic development more classes more more of that even branding marketing of e uh, gaming into the space, but are you seeing more of those, that next generation of e-gamers focused on, and is there opportunity out there in academic for e-gaming particular type of academic structure?
1: Yeah, we're, we're seeing a real focus right now. It's where a lot of people are trying to solve a, how do you crack the nut of the pipeline, the educational pipeline? And mm-hmm. there, there's a number of ways that organizations are trying to go about it. There's the competitive side, within you know as a sport within their high school or college university there's also the esports and gaming degrees that have been extremely uh, advantageous for schools to promote for recruitment mm-hmm. and those could be on the endemic side so maybe it's soft you know software design or game design that can benefit the gaming industry but there's also a lot of recruitment on the, you know, maybe being a, a shoutcaster or being a, a streamer. So we're we're seeing a mix of that, a meld of that. Uh, there's there's the competitive nature of esports, but the likelihood, just like if you go to college because you're a great basketball player, to get recruited, you know, the likelihood of you going into the NBA is pretty slim. But if you are going to school for sports marketing and you have a job in a front office, that's what we're starting to see here. It's just the functionality around industry careers being bled into curriculum in, um, in the collegiate level. I think it should be brought all the way down through high school, but we're probably quite a few years away from that. But yeah. having having the ability to have a career and and I'm thinking, you know, more traditional Esports careers, so within the teams and the leagues, uh, the distributors and publishers. But one thing that we can't discount is you, know, you mentioned a little bit about about you know organizations. How are they getting? How are they getting into mm-hmm. sports and gaming, or how are they viewing that? You can have any type of service skill that is applicable in this space. I've um, spoken with a chiropractor who was. Um, creating a, a narrative around working with esports, you know, players and talent and gamers. You know, we're all gamers. We all game. Um, the majority of all Americans play video games. So thinking about how you can take your existing services, your existing product or brand and infuse it um, and market it to this audience. I think is something that we're also going to see um, in a in a pretty big way, pretty trend, pretty heavy over the next few years.
0: Oh, love it, love it. I mean, that's all. Awesome. I mean, what a what a neat track for again those young professionals that are in that space or want to get in that space. And in fact, Rebecca, you and I were introduced by Jack Murray, and I've got a team here with me that's. Jack uh, Murray, Cassie McGrath, and, and Coa Beam. Jack, in fact, is in a program right now, sports marketing, George Mason University, and I know he's doing really well getting all A's. He, you know, and we're going to, and Jack, I know you got some questions here for Rebecca, but I think that's a really good use case where, Rebecca, we've got an intern who, in turn, is market facing. And going out there and finding the leaders in, in esports where Kena wants to get involved. And as you know, Kena being in you know powered by Kena Analytics and really our culture of, of how we build data into that as a expression of return on investment um, across many different functions of a business. But esports e-gaming is something that we're really concentrating. And we're and we're neophytes uh, right now, but We're getting there. Back to Jack. I mean, here we've got somebody who in that case is in that pipeline moving forward and graduating soon. So uh, pretty exciting. Jack, I know you got a couple of questions, so why don't you fire away.
2: Yeah, thanks for that, Rob. So, you mentioned how sport marketing classes is kind of where most of this esports is starting to get implemented in educational in an educational wise. So, I just had a quick question about sport marketing in general is complicated due to its unpredictable and intangible products in nature. So, how does marketing for esports differ differ from marketing for traditional sports?
1: Yeah, you know, it really just comes down to having a deep understanding of your audience. So I'm not a, I'm not a traditional educated. I didn't go to school for marketing. I don't, I don't have marketing jargon, marketing speak. Um, but what I've experienced is in traditional sports marketing, like when I was at the Wolves, it the, the audience, it's a little higher in age, age demographics. They're not necessarily analyzing or doing research on everything about your product or your, or your brand. They're not necessarily super brand aware. They're happy. If you are just, you know, you can hand them a sample of a product. They're going to take it walk away. There's a lot of physical in-person in arena type of experiences in, in sports marketing, traditional sports marketing, less sophisticated audience in, in traditional sports marketing. When you take a look at who's consuming esports content, You have a very tech savvy group of individuals who have been digital their entire lives. So that's a huge difference. When you've been digital your whole life, you're doing the brand research, you're doing the product research on your own, and you're a part of an always on community where you're not always, you know, you're, you're not only consuming content all day long, but you're talking about the content that you're consuming all day long with your peers. So whether it's in a chat uh, or in a, in a discord room or on Reddit or through Clubhouse, what we're seeing with this audience is this hyper-connectivity. So brands um, have to be extremely cautious in how they approach this space. The esports, fans are a community and they really adopt the brands that are supporting their community, but coming in a way that's authentic. And people throw that word around a lot. And and to me, authenticity in marketing is be a part of the community first. Your intention should be brand awareness, not pushing your product and trying to track it immediately back to KPIs. You'll, You'll get skewered for that in this space. They don't want to be marketed to. They want a brand to be a part of their community and a part of the conversation. So that's the largest differentiator. Also, sports fans, traditional sports fans, especially the big four, are extremely similar in in terms of the types of things that they like, the types of content they consume. Um, There's a lot of similarities. Esports fans depending on the game that they're into, are very, very different. There's a a lot of differences in terms of the age demographic, uh, the way that they play games, the way that those communities are built. You know, console gamers look very different, um, act very different than the hardcore PC players. So you really have to be intentional about which which subset within esports is your brand going to best resonate with? And then how do you get in authentically to uh, to those communities? And over time, then it, the relationship is built, the awareness is built, and you can do more traditional marketing tactics. But I, I always say that the old way of, of marketing, it, it's not super effective here, especially with the, what we call the esports enthusiasts, those hardcore gamer enthusiasts
2: yeah that's that's great insight and i love how you mentioned how most of the esports are basically the entire esports industry is been on a digital environment so that kind of leads into the next question about how has gaming esports and technology in general changed in the past 10 years to help esports the esports industry as a whole
1: yeah the biggest shift has been you know going from more of this grassroots effort uh, amongst teams and clubs to this franchised model that we see now got some of the biggest names in sports ownership coming in and investing in and owning esports properties which has brought the money really and the thought leadership to help the industry grow and there's some pluses and minuses I think culturally with that but but it has really helped kind of grow grow the market and grow the industry the traditional the traditional sports leaders that have come into the space have really helped accelerate the live event aspects of esports. Now with COVID, I think esports has been a little bit more COVID safe because it started digital. So going back to all digital environments, digital events um, really was able to happen turnkey uh, without a ton of lift, where if you take a look at some of the, the other types of live events, they've really struggled to figure out how do they kind of digitize this this approach technical evolution within esports you know over the past you know five ten years i think the the largest has been the the twitch community and the and the other you know streaming platforms like facebook gaming and youtube gaming but twitch obviously is, is the king of of streaming and the ability to create an account on twitch and be able to connect with other people that love what you love so quickly, I think has really shown brands that this is a space where they can reach that next generation of, of consumers. Being able to figure out exactly how to do that, I think has been a little more difficult for brands, but but not every brand. I mean there's a lot of really huge names um, with you know Mountain Dew and Doritos, DHL, uh, that have been in the space for a really long time, and they're and they're doing it well.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned how the co- how esports is was safer during the COVID nineteen pandemic last year. So there's still a lot of people out there that don't give esports the status or take it seriously like traditional sports. And I guess my question is here: Do you believe that the COVID nineteen pandemic inflated the esports statistics, or do you think it was inevitably going to increase in popularity?
1: Well- you know the trajectory was all. It was already on a on a growth trajectory. Taking a look at video game sales that has really helped inform you know the growth with with esports as a whole. So video game sales, as we know, completely spiked. Um, Just from uh, when COVID happened, I was working with one esports team, which is the Minnesota Rocker Call of Duty team. And we saw an almost immediate growth just in our socials at a much higher percentage than previously. However, it was our first year as a team. So it it is hard to say, is it truly because of COVID would have happened already on its own? I think the proof will be after this pandemic, all these restrictions lift and live events come back, is there going to be a drop off or is it still going to to rise? That's I think when we'll when we'll know truly how much the pandemic affected it. But in terms of the way that business is done, you know, we have this Call of Duty team. There's 12 franchise teams. There's the entire model was, you know, a year ago to be traveling uh, from team to team and putting on these really large And we had to completely stop. And, you know, we, we as an organization with Minnesota Rocker, um, obviously rely heavily on on Activision Blizzard for how they're going to handle those large tournaments and events and everything went digital online, We, we were able to kind of keep pace with that and, and pivot quickly um, as an organization. But, you know, we were having these in-person watch parties that were quite successful. I mean, we'd have we'd have hundreds of fans come at 9 a.m. to a local bar to watch us play in another state. And we turned those into Discord watch parties. And we'll probably always continue to do online Discord watch parties, even when we have our live events again. We'll probably do both. We'll have a team that's managing the Discord for our, our fans who can't make it into the live event and we'll do some live events again where we can do in-person watch parties. So it just is about leaning in on the tech, leaning in on innovation, and meeting meeting our fans where they already are. That's a big huge difference. And I think for, you know, like you said, a lot of a lot of companies aren't taking a look at esports as seriously as, as they do traditional sports. The statistics show that the the age of an average Traditional sports fan keeps going higher and higher every year. The percentage of viewership is getting lower and lower. And with eSports, I mean, this is really the golden goose of every brand product demographic, right? This is the next generation of consumers at a time in their lives that they're making long-term uh, brand decisions. If you think about a time in your life where you became either a drinker of Pepsi or Coke, I don't know a lot of people who don't care. You know, they they we do care. Like I drink one or the other and those decisions are being made in your late teens and early 20s. So as a brand, you can watch the stats and say, "Okay, this is a demographic that's continuing to grow. It's at an age in which if they adopt our brand, they're going to be long-time lovers of our brand and users of our brand. I, you know, to me, like that's brands are always saying how do we reach Gen Z, and I will say you should think about doing an activation in in esports, and then they're like, well, not there because that seems too over the top, or we don't really know, we don't really understand it, we don't know how to talk to them. Um, so it's like you want to reach that next generation of consumers, here's a place you can reach them that, you know, they already are in massive numbers. So I think it's, it's really the sea of changes coming. It's not necessarily the fear of missing out anymore. It's going to be the cost of missing out. If brands wait too long, it's going to be really expensive for them uh, to catch up and to get in.
2: Yeah, that's great. And, um, You you were mentioning how all the age demographics and geographical demographics for teams. I just have one last quick question. We were talking about earlier the women in gaming aspect. So what is the level of participation uh, by women in esports? Are there any efforts being made to increase women in gaming? And do you see any barriers for women in esports currently?
1: Yeah, those are great questions. Um, there's a lot of people trying to tackle all of those things at once. There's, there has historically been a lot of barriers for women in, in gaming and esports. And some of it's due to uh, toxicity within the space. I think it really starts at the game itself. So if you take a look at video game, the industry as a whole, uh, there's very few female protagonist characters within video games. Uh, those numbers are growing, but they're still under 20% of characters that are, are a female protagonist. So it kind of starts there. You know, you're creating a, a culture, a gaming culture that uh, sexualizes and devalues women in the games themselves that bleeds through the entire industry. Then how are we teaching young people uh, and, mm-hmm. and how are we teaching gamers to respect women in in the gaming space as a whole? Um, so there's there's marked efforts on increasing the number of female protagonist characters in video games. That is something that people are, are talking about and recognizing. On the industry side, there's been a lot of marked efforts in amplifying the voices of women in this industry and making sure that you know the younger generations see women leaders in the space. I'm definitely one to raise my hand if I see a panel or some type of event um, where there's a, where there's women are not being represented on the stage, and I will reach out to an event organizer and just say, "Here I am, happy to join." You know, let's like, oh, women in. Um, yeah. And then at the you know high school, collegiate, you're seeing you know women women clubs. Of girls clubs being built and developed. I'm actually right now working on contract with a phenomenal organization called The Gamers. It's G-A-M-E-H-E-R-S. And it is a safe community for for all women and for fem identifying, transgender, um, and any human being that believes in having a safe space for those individuals. So, it's not an anti-guy movement. It's a this is a community that we want all female gamers and industry folk to feel really safe. So um, so men are definitely you know welcome with a, a seat at the table there as long as they have the same level of, of uh, love and respect for the community that the gamers is right. And right now you know we're really just exploring how do we get more young women to learn about this community and join this community so they can connect we can build friendships they can get together and and then bringing in the female industry leaders to say okay, we're going to do mentorship or education or share our stories even so that young women see themselves, you know, represented within our industry and know that it's a place that they could be someday. Um, So those are some of the marked efforts. I know eFuse, which is a a wonderful online community, uh, they do these Women of the Arena events, one today, the fifth event today, where they're amplifying, you know, amateur and pro female gamers and giving them uh, a space to compete and to earn high dollar prize money. And big brands are noticing, the publishers are noticing. It's been a really amazing movement that they have curated and, and developed. And our organization, The Rocker, we hosted an all-female Call of Duty tournament with eFuse through that Women of the E-Arena Platform and uh, it, it was it was phenomenal for us and we were able to bring Crocs as a brand partner into that event and it was Crocs' first uh, step first foray into into a partnership with esports and uh, they were you know they they came in in a really authentic way that that really married their brand story to the esports space through a come as you are campaign where we were able to really interview female leaders about being who they are, being authentic to who they are in in esports and gaming, they were very well received. Crocs was very well received by the by the community as a whole.
2: That was all great. Um, it was awesome to hear that you're you're in the middle of it, helping everything move along to a all encompassing sport like it should be. Thank you so much for answering those questions. That's all from me. I'll pass it over to Rob if he has any other. Hey Rebecca, that was awesome. I, interesting.
0: The gamers, I I had reached out to them and saw them, um, gosh, on LinkedIn and. Uh, just some really, really, really progressive, positive environment of, um, you know, promoting so many different pieces of equity and inclusion across the board. And uh, that's pretty exciting. And it's interesting because there's parallels in other markets, like for example, where we sit in analytics, you know, STEM and in those platforms that are and are building upon what are um, females that are getting involved more so in the analytics platforms of opportunity um, we certainly have been part of that and we appreciate and continue to appreciate that as a community of not just and, and i think this is the hard question i have a 16 year old girl who who she's going to critique the heck out of me on this by the way and she does always but it's great as you get the involvement of more women involved in, in esports Discussion around, hey, I'm going to be and involved in a market not because I'm a woman, but because I'm a pro. And the question is, is it that approach, or is it the side of, hey, we, because we're we're focusing on getting women involved more so in esports, that there's a progression for that, and how does that progress to show a parallel, of, hey, profession, women and professionalism,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, I never wanna be seen as this female industry leader of esports. I wanna be seen as an industry leader in esports, right? Yeah. But when you take a look at the industry as a whole, it's an ecosystem just like every other major industry that that we have, you know, take the, the energy industry, take a look at the energy industry. You have accountants, you have lawyers, you have, mm-hmm. you have engineers, you have salespeople, you have marketers, you have social media team. So there's multiple disciplines Also within eSports, there's the live events, soundstage, lighting. There's the talent Mm -hmm. side, of course. And there's also talent like the the casters and the the hosts in arena. You have finance, accounting, all, all of these different types of roles. It's just about being intentional at an industry level, and organizationally, to look for, as you're making hires... For women who are passionate about the esports industry and bringing them into your organization um, at the highest level, right? That wow. is really the difference maker. I don't, you know, I don't see very many people in the industry that have been, you know, at, at, at the top level that have been gaming their entire lives and were a part of the industry and move Mm -hmm. their way up. There's definitely quite a few of them, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's grown so quickly that you see a lot of individuals like myself who my background is in traditional sports and advertising through, you know, marketing and advertising agencies. I've taken the knowledge and skill that I was able to build over time and I've applied it to esports. And there's a lot of stories very similar to mine in in the space um, when it comes to senior leadership at at these organizations and within the companies, especially the the teams, the the newer teams themselves, the um, Overwatch League, Call of Duty League. You're seeing senior C suite level executives that have come from traditional sports or other business disciplines. They're utilizing all of that knowledge that they've built over the years, and they're applying it to to this industry. Now, this industry would be nowhere without those hardcore gamers that have built their own orgs from the ground up and have been gaming their entire lives. I mean, they are really the backbone of the community building within the organizations. So there's a balance between those two types of, of leaders within the orgs. And the key is really valuing and respecting what each brings to the table. And um, I've never worked in a community that is so open to sharing information, even, Mm -hmm. um, even with your perceived competitors, you know, um, I have a lot of really great relationships with the other Call of Duty teams, business directors, you know, who are doing business development and and really managing sales. And they've been so open to sharing the tools that they use, the platforms that they're on, um, success stories, things to look out for. That hasn't really been something that I was able to have working in pro sports, in a traditional pro sports team. It wasn't like... The other teams weren't necessarily sharing all of that information. The league would, but but there wasn't a lot of team to team collaboration like we have here in this industry. It's a very warm, open, uh, welcoming type of a space, which I do love. I love
0: it. I, you know, and it's gosh, that's so warm and refreshing to hear in the times we're in, right? I mean, and what a you know what a, a baselining slash boy a um, mentorship type to a lot of other emerging industries that you just mentioned, having, you know, that that respect for each other. And, and boy, I, I know that as we continue to move forward in, in our platform of esports, e-gaming, and how data fits inside that, and fits being where does data and those, those populations of data where we can help gamers, help companies evolve with, you know, their key performance indicators. And it's going to continue to to evolve. And we love being, uh, you know, in, in that mix and, and, and rec- by the way. so interestingly we've got coming up and we have both our interns, Thomas Scully, who our other em- intern and, and Jack Murray, they're putting on um, an esports gaming competition. So Jack, I'm going to turn it over to you. I think you'd be interested in this because what we're finding is that when we're navigating is that whole branding marketing, like, Holy cow, we could bring in like, let's, Let's bring in like every like every bit of those companies that want to be part of something like this they already are in a lot of ways but free marketing free branding but Jack give us a little bit of uh, your wave top on what you guys have prepared, and in Rebecca, it'd be great to get some of your insights on it. Sure.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, the tournament that we're going to be running is a is a three day event. Um, it's from April twenty third to the twenty fifth. It is for the game Rainbow Six Siege. We felt that that game had a had a closer tie to our company, and kind of combining our company with esports. So what we wanted to do, we wanted to put it out there and make it a free tournament for people to come and play so that we could test our capabilities with analytics in a controlled environment from getting the data from the tournament. There is a prize pool for the top two teams. But what we wanted to kind of get out of this was get our name out there, get recognition for Cana in the esports industry. We're just trying to help in any way we can. We don't know what that is currently, and that's why we're running this tournament. This tournament allows us to have everything in a controlled environment, like I said, and really test a variety of different analytics capabilities to it to see what we are best at. There's We've mentioned opportunities about continuing these events and Eventually, bringing in a a couple of sponsors, co-sponsors for the event. One of them thrown out there by our director of analytics, Walt DeGrange, was AWP America's Warrior Partnership. We could help make some of the um, funds from other events go towards them and help in that aspect. But yeah, that's basically what the tournament is about. We're trying to get it set up and market for it right now. Again, it's only it's a month away, so right now we're in the beginning stage of marketing and we're trying to figure out if we should, you know, kind of bring in these other companies as marketing strategies for our marketing strategy, like promote different lower startup esports companies within our posts.
1: I love that. Yeah, very cool. I think, you know, you just have to kind of dive in, like you said, right, and, and create yeah. the community. And if you can do that through organizing these ongoing tournaments, and the keys really ask the participants, you know, what do they see that's missing? You know, what do they want that they can't currently get? And, you know, can you achieve some of that through analytics and we're seeing a lot of companies now emerging in the space when it comes to analytics, trying to, you know, the biggest thing is how can they analyze and show the value of sponsorships within a tournament, or the social posts, or the live stream, based on you know those key metrics of concurrent viewers and, and peak viewership, while though while those brands were either being mentioned or their logo was being on screen. So that's that's where analytics is really important to organizations and the brands themselves. But then you have the The participants, the players, the talent, what type of data are they looking for? What are the things that would help either increase their performance and help them advance? Or, you know, even like my earlier example about, you know, being able to go on a single website and searching the entire competitive history of a single NFL or NBA player. You know, that that's a big gap in the space as well, you know, being able to know really who your competition is, who you're playing against and everything they've done in the past at every layer within the industry would be a, a really powerful thing as well. So ha- creating a community where you can ask the community, what is it that they want? What is it that they mm-hmm. think that is missing that would be valuable? And then yeah. finding
0: a way to deliver. Yeah. And Rebecca, it's really, it's, it's, that is bringing in that community. Like you said, like, you know, bring in that, that, uh, this platform, bringing in that community to, to really, um, in a way, and this is really our pilot, you go at it with, with this tournament, but as we move forward, bringing in a whole new we hope awareness for different communities that are out there, you know, different types of businesses that are and may want to get involved in in esports e-gaming uh, as well. So great insights, love it.
1: Yeah, good luck with that too, Jack. Send me some information. I'd I'd love to check that event
0: out. Yeah, for sure. Cool beans. All right, I think those are the questions. That was it.
1: Awesome,
0: Rebecca. That was it's awesome. I love it. I I could do that. I mean, Niko is going to continue just for a second here, but um, man, I would love to get you know as we go focused in on you know what at Happy War you know where we can help you also expand that that you know that message of yours
1: thank you i would say i don't know if you guys are on on apple or if you're on android but if you are on apple mm-hmm. clubhouse has been a really great place to uh listen to thought leaders in the esports space uh there's a lot of really cool esports clubs right now within clubhouse and i have uh, really been, um, I'm learning a ton and I've been a part of some pretty cool discussions um, ongoing Mm weekly. So on Mondays where I'm doing a, I'm, I'm talking a lot about Women in Gaming with the gamers on Tuesdays. I do an Esports One Hundred and One with the Esports Club, and on Fridays I talk with the founders of Nutra Gamer on, on health and wellness in Esports. Which we a touch on health and wellness today, but that's a, a totally emerging space that's extremely intentional within within the Esports industry as well.
0: Fantastic, Rebecca. Is there anything else?
1: Yeah, you know, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, the best way is to email me at rebecca at happywarrior.us you can listen to my podcast called the future of marketing in esports it's on the Futuride network and it's available on anywhere you listen to podcasts spotify apple etc um and also you know connect with me on clubhouse i'm doing a lot of talks there and a part of some really great discussions around esports health and wellness women in esports um, and, and really an overview of, of the uh, entire esports and gaming industry.
0: Well, Rebecca, thanks so much
2: for being on the Cana Connection podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Rob and Jack and Cassie.
2: Yes, thank you so much. I'll uh, I'll send over that information on our tournament for you to check out.
1: Sure.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's Cana Connection podcast. A big thanks once again goes out to Rebecca Longawa for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's Cana Connection podcast, you can find us on most of the popular podcasts podcast streaming services spotify apple google and anchor along with a couple others but you can always find us at our website at canaadvisors.com while you're there consider signing up for our newsletter or joining our community forums to continue in the conversation this is koa beam signing off for rob cranston and the rest of the cana advisors podcast crew reminding you to analyze assess and execute and we'll catch you next time